That's not, that's not evil. Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What? Are there no slurs here? Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundations to. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think that God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yes. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello, and welcome to another session of EMJ Live. We're broadcasting from beautiful Irving, Texas, where it's a gloomy November day, uh, uh, but welcome relief from the heat of the summer. Uh, coincidentally, Texas is on everybody's mind right now because Bishop Strickland just got uh, fired, fired by the Pope. Uh, I say this because this is a completely irregular situation. Uh, we ju I just watched a good interview with uh, Bishop Strickland talking to Raymond Arroyo on uh, EWTN. Uh, I mentioned the word fire because uh, Bishop Strickland in his interview uh, hit exactly the right note at the beginning. He described himself as a successor to the apostles. The bishops are the successors to the apostles. They are not employees of the Pope. They are not employees of the Catholic Church. They have a standing all of their own uh, by right of the office that goes all the way back to the apostles. Now, I first became aware of this in the 1980s when I was at a Fellowship of Catholic Scholars convention 
And we uh, were uh, addressed by the nuncio at the time, uh, Pio Laghi. He stood up there and uh, there was a lot of clamor to do something about what the fellowship considered bad bishops. And he stood up there and he wagged his finger at us and he said, the bishops are not the employees of the Pope. At this point, Pope John Paul II uh, was uh, Pope. Uh, a lot of these people were hoping that he would rein in some bishops. I could name names, but they don't mean anything anymore because they're all dead and gone uh, or certainly gone. Um, one of the bishops at that time was Ted McCarrick, Uncle Ted, uh, who became uh, infamous uh, because uh, he was never uh, removed from office uh, during his entire tenure as bishop one place or another. Uh, this brings up the issue, of course, of selective prosecution here. Why is Pope Francis going after uh, Bishop Strickland? Well, the answer Bishop Strickland gave was that he did not implement Traditionis Custodis, which is the uh, basically the encyclical or motu proprio, I forget what it was, uh, basically saying that uh, the liberalization of the Latin mass, which took place under Pope Benedict XVI, is over. And now every bishop has a duty to curtail the celebration of the Latin Mass. Now, uh, needless to say, he was not the only bishop uh, who did not implement Vatican II. I'm not Vatican II, uh, Traditionis Custodis. Um, many other bishops did. Uh, at a certain point, Cardinal Miller weighed in on this discussion and said, uh, yes, the Pope is the supreme law of the Catholic Church, but uh, the bishops are the successors of the apostles and they should not be removed except for instances of grave moral turpitude, which certainly would have been the case for uh, Cardinal McCarrick, but he wasn't removed. And now I know bishops, uh, there is an FSSP parish in my uh, diocese, in my city. They are continuing to say the Latin mass and no one is threatening uh, the Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend. So it looks like a selective prosecution at a time when you would seem that the wheels are coming off the Catholic church. Of course, that's a bad analogy. The wheels can't come off this church. If they could, they would have come off a long time ago. But uh, just to give one instance, what about the German bishops? What about the German bishops or the European, I think it's the Bishop of Luxembourg who said that the church needed to change his teaching on sodomy. Uh, nothing happened to this person. Uh, and why is that? The answer is very simple. The church is being run by the Jesuits who were consistently, I'm talking about the American Jesuits, I'm talking about specifically the uh, board of uh, America Magazine, which is in New York City. I'm talking even more specifically about Father James Martin, one of the foremost promoters of homosexuality in the Catholic Church. Uh, but there are other people, and uh, uh, Thomas, uh, now his name is escaping me. Anyway, he is the one when he was editor of Thomas Reese, sorry, Thomas Reese, when he was editor of um, America Magazine, is uh, allowed so much heresy that he got deposed. Uh, he is the author of the article that led to Traditionis Custodis. 
I think it was published in America. I may be wrong. It might have been the National Catholic Reporter. But he said, no one under the age of 30 should be allowed to, to attend a Latin mass. Well, this is kind of uh, daring to say something like that. This is uh, the, the Pope is a Jesuit. OK, he can't run the church by himself. He's naturally going to turn to a group of people uh, that he, of his own group, his own order. And so that's how these people got in power. They were consistently on the wrong side of the culture wars in America ever since uh, World well, maybe ever since uh, the breaking of the production code. If you want the details, uh, read my book, John Cardinal Kroll and the Cultural Revolution, when Bill Ball wrote to Cardinal Kroll and said, we can't share uh, information with the Jesuits because it invariably ends up in the the uh, letterbox of uh, Leo Pfeffer, the lawyer for the AJC, who was the main opponent of the Catholic Church at that point. So we have a crisis that continues to accelerate as the church uh, like a, a machine that is basically uh, not quite balanced properly, starts to vibrate and begins to shake itself out of control, shake itself apart. There's another angle to this story too. Why am I in Dallas? I'm going to be giving a talk here uh, tomorrow night. Uh, at uh, This talk was scheduled for the Knights of Columbus Hall. Now, uh, many of you, uh, I think everybody on the internet who knows me, knows that I'm a Catholic. Uh, when Ron Unz uh, tried to give me some handle at Unz Review to, to describe who I am, he chose the title Catholic Culture Warrior. That is my identity for better or for worse, okay? Uh, but maybe you didn't know that I was a Knight of Columbus as well. Uh, that's important here because we, my colleague here, rented the Knights of Columbus Hall. Now, anybody can rent a Knights of Columbus Hall. You can have, uh, you know, black disco organizations who write it in a uh, uh, in South Bend, rent it in South Bend, Indiana. Anybody can rent it. Everything's fine. I spoke there two years ago, I believe. No one, uh, there was no rioting after my talk. We put all the chairs back in place. So what happened this time? This time it was a little different because one of the ladies who's involved with bringing me down here posted it on ICON, which is the Catholic uh, network here. And as soon as it got on ICON, it came to the uh, attention of the chancery uh, uh, of the diocese. And uh, the man who was in charge there uh, apparently Googled my name. And if you Google my name, the first thing that will come up is the ADL's attack on me. This is, everybody knows this. I've known it for years. I can't do a damn thing about it uh, because uh, the Jews control operations like Google and I just have to take it on the chin. Okay, part of the part, cost of doing business, but what happens here? It turns out that uh, now uh, in order to be a Catholic in good standing, you have to be first a Catholic in good standing with the ADL. Because if you're not in good standing with the ADL, then the bishop, the diocese, the chancellor, or whoever is going to get you canceled. The ADL now has control. They determine who is a Catholic in good standing. Google determines who is a Catholic in good standing. These people don't call up my pastor, uh, my parish, they go to Google and the ADL. This is an intolerable situation. This cannot go on. 
if you're wondering why, uh, how this bishop can be deposed in one part of Texas, I'm telling you, this is the situation in another part of Texas. So basically the Knights of Columbus unilaterally terminate the contract. Wait a minute, isn't the contract legally binding? So my co the colleague here who uh, arranged for the talk and basically paid the, the check to rent the hall calls up the head knight, a man by the name of Joe Sanchez. Joe Sanchez, fellow knight, brother knight. Okay, and says, uh, Joe, uh, you know, I'm a fellow Catholic. Uh, I rented your hall. I mean, if I had been a, a, a devil worshiper and you signed a contract, you would have an obligation to fulfill that contract. Okay, so what's the story? And Joe says, uh, uh, we discovered that he, he violates our values. No, he said, first he said beliefs. He doesn't stand for our beliefs. So my colleague is a little bit taken aback here and says, well, what, what, what beliefs? Hey, I'm not going to debate with you, says Joe, head knight. Uh, I'm not going to debate like a total thug of the kind you'd expect uh, who would be shaking you down in New Jersey for protection money. Uh, I'm not going to debate with you. Oh, wait a minute. I, I thought we were all uh, fellow Catholics. Huh? I, oh, wait a minute. I thought this guy is a fellow Knight of Columbus. And he says, well, can you tell me what those values are? Uh, because I know this guy and I know he's a good Catholic and he, he, he's in good standing and he's written books and everybody on the internet recognizes he's a Catholic and sometimes they attack him for being Catholic. But what exactly are these values? And Joe says, I'm not going to debate with you. I'm not going to debate with you. Now this, it makes talking with Charles Moskowitz look like a great dialogue here. I mean, this is a fellow knight, a fellow Catholic, who is basically getting his orders from the ADL and saying, I'm not going to debate with you. This is, this is a disgrace. I hate to quote Ben Shapiro, but this is a disgrace to the Catholic Church and it's a disgrace to what calls itself a fraternal organization. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. Ah. Uh. There, can you hear me, Dr. Jones? I can hear you, yes. And you can see me, good. Okay, good, all right. Let's, I think we're working again. All right, cool. All right, uh, quick chat rules for people who are new. Um, hello, I'm Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant here. Um, quick rules here, Collins are made via our Telegram channel. Uh, link is in description for various people who are on various platforms who need a link to find the Telegram. Uh, in Telegram, I'm going to call on those who raise their sh uh, hands. And then later in the stream, we'll read off text questions from the chat uh, from Cozy. Uh, quick things to keep in mind. Try to keep questions on subject. Try to keep to one question at a time. Be respectful of time. And do not forget to unmute yourself. Okay. Thanks, Mike. One more thing before we get into the questions. I have to uh, explain how God has a plan here. So, uh, my colleague is scrambling around to find an alternative venue. And guess who volunteers to host my talk? The Islamic Center of Irving. Now, I I'm sorry, but I kind of see God's hand in this. Okay. We are in a situation now where this group of people is the foremost defender of 
the moral law in places like Gaza. I'm talking about the Muslims who are much more forthright and much more united in defending the rule of law and the moral law in Gaza than anybody in the West, including the Catholic Church. If you listen to Bishop uh, Brolio, who is the new spokesman for the U.S. Catholic bishops, uh, figure that one out. Uh, I couldn't figure out what, who he was supporting. It was so mealy-mouthed. These are the people who are supporting the moral law. This is the rule of law. That's what's at stake here. This is a, a knight of Columbus who has contempt for the rule of law, which he proved by simply terminating a contract that he had signed. He has no understanding, no feel, no uh, respect for the rule of law. And now we're going to go to the Islamic Center of Irving to find a group of people who do believe in that. Anyway, go ahead. Next question. Let's talk about some questions here. All right, let's do it. The Muslims got your back, but the Knights of Columbus don't. I'm sure. Yeah. That. yeah. All right. Let us jump to the chat here. Where are we? Alejandro Piera. Go ahead, Alejandro. Good afternoon, Dr. Jones. Can you hear me? I can. It is a pleasure uh, to speak again with you, sir. I'm calling from uh, Veracruz, Mexico. Uh, I will just get a little bit out of topic and ask you a simple question. Uh, do you have any take on uh, the Xi Jinping's visit in San Francisco? Do you have any forecasts on how this will impact uh, the situation we're living with in Gaza? Thank you. Xi Jinping in uh, San Francisco, uh, what I heard is that uh, Biden gave away the farm or an artificial intelligence. I don't have any more information than that. It's just some type of headline I've seen. Biden went to, uh, or Biden invited uh, Xi to come to San Francisco uh, from a position of weakness. Uh, before, I'll say before Gaza, uh, the United States was viewing the Ukraine as a little bump on the road to conquering Russia, and then Russia was a little bump on the road to, to conquering China. All of this has changed because Gaza has certain has rewritten the world script. And so he came with a position of weakness. And uh, I think that uh, Xi, Xi Jinping holds all the cards now, that the United States does not. Why not? Because there are no dip diplomats in the State Department anymore. Nobody knows how to talk. The only guy who shows up is uh, Mr. Blinken. And the only thing he knows how to say is, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. And that doesn't cut any ice with, Mr. with the, the head of China or other people in the Islamic world. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Alejandro. Next, we have uh, Universum. Uh, go ahead, Universum. Hello, Dr. Jones. Good to talk with you. Good to hear from you. Um, I, I was um, made me think that these this situation with the Pope and uh, the Jesuits. Um, I'm, I'm under the impression that a lot of those guys actually come from Latin America and South America. I know I know um, Pope Francis does, but I'm and I think the Jesuits are pretty heavy down there too. And it made me start to wonder. Um, that are you aware of the shift towards Protestantism and particularly evangelicalism in, you know, Latin America? And that was, you know, historically it was viewed as a really stronghold of the Catholics. Um, what, if, if you know about that and what's your um, opinion as to why that is the case now? 
All right, it's primarily due to one man, uh, Nelson Rockefeller, was put in charge of Latin American affairs uh, in the 60s, I believe. He eventually became governor of New York, obviously uh, the scion of the famous Rockefeller family. His brother, John D. III, was the man who was involved with the promoting of uh, head of the Population Council, who was basically trying to promote well, world population control. Uh, his message made it into the um, um, State of the Union address in 1968 because of the power that the Rockefellers had. Uh, Nelson was going down there repeatedly. Uh, and one of the reasons, um, one of the things that he did to promote uh, American influence was to try and weaken the Catholic Church by promoting Protestant sects all across South America. The other thing that corresponds to his brother's uh, intentions for that part of the world was knowing that the Protestant sects uh, did not prohibit uh, contraception. So if you became a Protestant, it meant you weren't going to have as many children. And that was fine with John D. Rockefeller because he wanted everybody else to have fewer children. The entire world should stop having children uh, because uh, the WASP ruling class in America had stopped having children at some time in the 1920s. He got this idea from uh, going to Princeton where he met with the the Frank, the demographer Frank Notstein was one of his teachers at Princeton. So I saw this as late as I, uh, I think it was the 1990s. I'm in uh, Virginia Beach because we were collaborating with Pat Robertson's operation, the uh, um, that Ralph Reed operation, whose name I forget at this point. Uh, but uh, he arrived with a lot of fanfare. Everybody shows up and uh, he walked up to the microphone. And he said, he just got back from the Philippines. He was bringing Christ to the Philippines. Uh, well, wait a minute. I, I think it's called the Philippines because it was named after uh, King Philip II of Spain, who brought Catholicism there about 500 years ago. So you're about 500 years late. But that's that's not the way these people think. And uh, this is you saw this kind of merger of the uh, uh, the Christian Zionist sects with the American government and their desire to weaken the Catholic Church for demographic reasons. So that's why I know about that. No, very interesting. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. All right, let's go to uh, Glenn Muse. Go ahead, Glenn. Good evening, Dr. Jones. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you received those little uh, fiddles that I made for the tourists here. But that, uh, I'm also being canceled here. Um, I have to appear in court uh, for hate charges. Uh, I, I went and refused to make a plea until they disclosed to me the evidence that they had against me. And these are federal charges. So uh, they're going to try to use me as a guinea pig again. So uh, anyway, I got it covered. I'm not worried about it. So how's it going down in Texas? I hear you're having a little trouble. Yeah, just a little bit, but nothing compared to you. So I hope, uh, but you live in a totalitarian state. The, the state is known as Canada. It's run by a complete dictator by the name of uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, who uh, knows that the answer to every solution is uh, demonizing his opponents as Nazis and uh, 
enemies of the state. <laughs> Classic example was the trucker strike. We know you know more about the trucker strike than I do. All of those people, the famous lady, she's not, I think she's from your neck of the woods. She's out east, but maybe on that same island. Uh, uh, Newfoundland. Uh, anyway, I'm talking about Yara Sachs, who said honk honk equals Heil Hitler. That set the tone for Canada. That's, right. that's, that's exactly the problem. That all for all, I don't know why this is, but. All former colonies, all former British colonies are now under assault on the issue of free speech. England, uh, where the current issue is the, the support of the uh, Palestinians in Gaza, uh, they have been checkmated because you can't arrest 1.2 million Muslims. This is the cunning of reason. The Jews purposely flooded European countries like England with Muslim immigrants because they, they were wanted to dilute the culture. And it turns out that God had a plan here. And now these Muslims are more antagonistic to Israel than the native population ever was. And they don't care what Jews think because they know about Israel. The same thing now is happening in Australia. I don't know what happens. Maybe it's because we speak English. Uh, but then, uh, you, so Ireland, uh, Gemma is fighting a, a valiant uh, battle there. Gemma O'Doherty fighting the valiant battle yeah. against hate speech. Uh, hoping, I'm hoping that this crisis in Gaza is going to wake those people up. Some of the most ardent defenders of the Palestinians are the Irish uh, uh, lawmakers. Uh, Mick Wallace and Claire Daly have been courageous in defense of the Palestinian people. Mick and Claire, we spent time together in Tehran. It's time to wake up to the fact that the Israelis are Jews, okay, and that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value, and it makes no sense whatsoever to be against uh, the killing of babies in Gaza by Israeli bombs, uh, to object to that, and then to approve the Jewish sacrament of abortion when it's killing Ir Irishmen in the womb. That makes no sense. What I'm hoping is that this crisis will cause a realignment, a political realignment that corresponds to reality in a way that the current alignment does not. And I'm talking about conservatism. If you had any doubts that it was a bankrupt, obsolete ideology, all you have to do is listen to people like Ben Shapiro and you know it's over. It's been a front for Jewish interest for too long. It's time to retire this thing and move on to something that corresponds to reality. Thanks. One final comment. One final comment. Uh, uh, I'm going to change my gender in the courtroom and I'm asking for a totally Acadian jury. So it's going to be a, quite a little clamshell. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep a, a blog on this later. Good. You write it up. I'll publish it in Culture yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I'm going to be a black lesbian, by the way. Okay, good. Good. Okay. Go for it. Have a good trip, and we'll, we'll see you next fall. <laughs> okay. Write it up. I'll publish it in Culture Wars. All right. Thank, thank you, Glenn. That's going to be funny. Uh, who do we got here? Um, Mike uh, Paolo. Oh, I just jumped around. Palomino. Go ahead, Mike. And don't forget to hit the unmute button. Big center button in front of your phone. Or if you're using a desktop. 
You there, Mike? Okay, we're going to pass on you maybe next time. Um, Patty Leather. Go ahead, Patty. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, hey, I don't think it's you guys, but for the second time, I've had this issue where I asked to speak and then it keeps shutting off uh, – like me asking to speak type thing. You guys aren't trying to keep me from talking on the show, are you? No, nope. go ahead. You got the microphone. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Hey, Dr. Jones, you're awesome. I I uh, wanted to let you know, You maybe you're already aware, but uh, if not, I want to make you aware. There's uh, a bunch of people in response to Candace Owens saying Christ is king. There's a bunch of people on Twitter now known as X that uh, uh, Christ the King is somehow a negative thing. There's this lady, Emily Zanotti. She writes for the Acton Institute. She said on November 16th, using the words Christ is King as a coded language attack, especially as a vaguely anti-Semitic attack, is so gross. The ah. world becoming a tool of evil. Ah. Listen, anybody who takes the Acton Instance Institute seriously needs to have their head examined. This is a totally phony operation created by a homosexual to destroy Catholic the Catholic teaching on economics. So anybody who says that, I'm not surprised that someone from the Acton Institute would say that. This is following the yeah. of Father Sirica. He's he's notorious for playing the the anti-Semitic card as a way of stopping people from questioning his bona fides. And it's not just her. Bria Dale, uh, a lovely Catholic girl, an Irish girl, I do is wrote on uh, in uh, a couple days ago. I do think that people change, especially life changes, such as marrying a Catholic convert and having babies. This, however, is besides the point in this debate. Real Candace Owens chose to deflect by throwing Christ the King in the face of her Jewish colleague after he criticized her. Oh, 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 I saw Candace Owens. Posts. They're uh, quotes from scripture. Uh, you can't serve God and mammon. Blessed are the peacemakers, that type of thing. I didn't see Candace Owens say Christ is king. So I, I, don't, I don't think she said that. No, no, she did. I believe there was a, I could be wrong, but I believe she did. I think there was another uh, post where uh, she ended it with Christ is king. But it, it's, it, it relates back to the scripture as well. And, and, Rhea Dale responded to it, and she also said, that's not only disingenuous, it's bad form. So it was it was kind of in relation to a thread about the scripture as well. So it seems – and by the way, these aren't the only two people. I just wanted to read them to you. There's influencers all over the internet, and I think this is a way that the Jews are trying to make saying Christ is king or in effect being a Christian – seems suspicious even if a lot of these people don't work directly for zionist uh, uh, uh outfits although brie does she works for the daily wire she's the catholic uh voice of the daily wire it seems to me that people are kind of sucking up to places like the daily wire by criticizing candace owens for saying christ is king and i just want to make you aware of that and i'm curious if you think i'm crazy to some kind of in effect a Jewish conspiracy to throw shade to 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 make Christianity and Christians look negative, or uh, if you think there's something to this, because that's what I think is going on. I, I think what it came down to, I, I saw the Tucker Carlson interview with Candace Owen. I felt you know very dissatisfied because they couldn't focus the issue. 
So Tucker is dancing around a lot of these issues, and he should have said, look, was it the fact that you posted quotes from Scripture? Does that is that what set Ben Shapiro off? Is it the fact that you defended uh, the, the Palestinians? Is that what set him off? But, I mean, what what happened here is that uh, the Daily Wire blew up its, its uh, cover as a, a conservative operation. So it's not, it's not conservative. It's fanatical Jewish defense of genocide and ethnic cleansings. That's what it is. That's not conservative. And it turns out that if you don't go, you're not going along with it, then Ben Shapiro is going to denounce you as disgraceful. So uh, there may be something particularly neuralgic about the, the phrase Christ the King when it comes to the Jews. Because I think when you're saying that Christ is the King, I think you're saying that he, he rules. You know, he's ruling. He rules the universe. I've said, I've said this many times. God is the Lord of history. Uh, and the history is unfolding according to his plan. And I could see how that uh, the Jews would be more upset with that than simply saying, uh, you know, blessed are the peacemakers or something like that. But the issue, what happens here is that Gaza has clarified the entire situation. It's either you're right or you're wrong on this issue. And the right side of this, the right side of history is, is the Palestinians in Gaza. They're defending their right to exist. Uh, I don't know whether you know this, but a lady by Albanese, uh, who is an Italian lady who's working for the United Nations, just gave a speech in Australia, and she said Israel does not have the right, it does not, is not defending its right to existence. It does not have this right. What right is she talking about? She's, it does not have the right to wage war on a group that is not a country. If there are crimes that are being committed there, uh, they should intervene with a police action. But war, and by war, I mean uh, F-16s dropping bombs on hospitals, this is indefensible. And if you think it's defensible, you have separated country with the overwhelming majority of the human race because these people still have a conscience and they know that this is morally wrong. And what you're doing here, what we're seeing here is what I mentioned before, this is an assault on the fundamental principles of civilization. It's an assault on the principle of the rule of law. It's an assault on the fact that human beings have to follow the moral law. And if you can't get that right, well, then uh, there's no reason listening to you about anything else. You're not a conservative in any meaningful sense of the term. You're just a, 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 Jewish, a, a Jewish chauvinist and racist. That's all you are, Ben. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. And what's terrifying is that Bria Dale is a supposed Catholic. And so this is like our own people that are working against us. And by the way, I found it. It was on uh, November 14th. She was, she did a separate post-crisis King after her response to Ben Shapiro. And that's, that, that was, uh, I think after all the scripture stuff she wrote yeah. as well. It's just terrible. I understand you brother. I just explained to you what happened to me here in Dallas, a fellow Catholic uh, denouncing me, refusing to honor a contract that he signed because uh, uh, of some type of fear of, uh, because uh, the ADL now determines whether I'm a Catholic in good standing or not. This is scandalous, scandalous. When are the bishops going to address this? 
You know, after they got rid of Strickland, are you ever going to address this scandal that is that is pervades the entire Catholic Church right now? Well, I agree about the Knights. I'm a Knight too, and I wanted to ask you: Do you think this correlates with the Knights are doing to you? Do you think it correlates with how they changed the tradition? They got rid of the the traditional uniforms. And now they're letting uh, women and children into the meetings. I t I'll tell you, because we did it. We caused the change. I mean, we meaning Fidelity Magazine at this point. Jer Jerry Bruin uh, is a Knight of Columbus in Virginia, uh, went to his parish. The pastor was constantly complaining. This is the 1980s. Constant complaint to Jerry Bruin about the fact that you have Teddy Kennedy, notoriously pro-abortion, parading around as a Knight of Columbus. So we wrote an article about this. Uh, it appeared and it went to to the top. And the Knights of Columbus actually changed. Uh, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> they went from bad to worse. So what did they do? The, pre the former criterion to be a Knight of Columbus was that, was that you had to be a practicing Catholic. Practicing Catholic is a category of reality. It corresponds to, did you make your Easter duty? Did you go to confession? Did you uh, support your parish? Blah, blah, blah. That is a category of reality. You know what they did? They changed the term now. And the qualification is you have to be a practical Catholic. A practical Catholic. That is a totally meaningless category of the mind that the Knights of Columbus cooked up so that they couldn't be held accountable uh, for uh, the members who were constantly violating what Joe would call uh, their values, which were real values at that point, namely ab abortion. We brought about that change and it was a change for the worst. And at this point it becomes uh, basically an insurance company that doesn't stand for anything other than making money. As uh, ch check out how much those top officials at uh, the Knights of Columbus are making. A lot of money. A lot of money for doing what? Uh, they, they won't even defend fellow Knights. So I think that's where it happened. That was around 1984 when we published that article. Yeah, it's, all, it's awful. It seems to correlate with Vatican. I don't know. I, I might be off base, but it seems to correlate with how the, the church has been watered down since Vatican II. This seems to be almost like Knights of Columbus's own Vatican II. Don't badmouth Vatican II. You're right. It's watered down, but it, this is 20 years, 20 years after the fact. Uh, it's a long, complicated thing. All I'm saying is you're right. That it has been, has been watered down. It's become a, a completely meaningless operation whose only uh, criterion, whose only value is the bottom line. Let's be honest here, Joe. Okay. Thank you. All right, let's go to the next caller here, and then you guys in the chat start asking your questions, uh, writing them in. Uh, we'll do another caller or two, and we'll get to those shortly. Okay, let's go to uh, Frank Carmel. Go ahead, Frank Carmel. Are you there, Frank? Don't forget to unmute your, your yourself. Nope. Oh, okay, hello. Ah, hello. Hello. Hi, hi, Dr. Jones. Um, yeah, I, I saw you uh, posted something about the uh, bishops that uh, a statement they made about Gaza. And 
I, I didn't quite catch what was their statement. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out what he was saying. It was uh, there's a, a certain jargon that I would call bishop speak uh, that makes it impossible to understand what they're saying. So I couldn't figure out what exactly he was saying about Gaza. Is there a right and a wrong here? Or should Catholics support one side or the other? I read it, and maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just not a good uh, perceptive reader. But I couldn't figure out whether he whether he was uh, explaining something or just obfuscating something. Yeah, and along along with that, um, I, I think the Pope has made a, a statement with regards to Gaza, uh, asking for a ceasefire. Right. But I didn't see it get very much press. Did Did you? No. Why would they, Why would they publicize that? That's not the Pope that they yeah. want Francis to be. I, I wasn't talking about the Pope here. I was talking about, uh, I think it right. was uh, Brolio, who's the new head of the uh, Catholic bishops. Right, right, yeah. So um, as far as Bishop Strickland goes here, in, I live in Puerto Rico, and, and I, I'm pretty sure you would know that uh, the Bishop of Arecibo, he was, you know, fired along the same uh just about a, a year ago or so, and it seemed to have something to do with COVID. Um, and did you hear about that? I did. Yeah, this is unconscionable. That was bad medicine. Why are, why are you destroying the uh, credibility of the Catholic Church by endorsing Pfizer and the big Jew Borla, who's uh, making people sick with what is not a vaccine? This is scandalous. Scandalous. And this is not a reason to depose a bishop. I'm sorry. Even if it were yeah. the opposite, even if even if uh, uh, the the uh, the Pfizer vaccine wasn't uh, uh, bad for you, uh, the the church. What is the church? Why are they endorsing something that is beyond their capability here? This is not. This yeah. is not their 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 strong suit. This is not faith or morals. Maybe I'm being too strict. Right. But they got it completely wrong. And I've said before that the main problem here was ahistoric Thomism, where you had a Dominican. I remember the article. And he takes this word, vaccine. Is there anything wrong with being vaccinated? Well, what do you mean by vaccine? That's precisely the issue. This was not a vaccine. He should, he should have contextualized his statement by looking into exactly what Pfizer was injecting into you. And if he had done that, he would have known it wasn't a vaccine. And he couldn't have based his argument on that. That's what I'm saying here. They had no right to depose that bishop. They have no right to depose. Uh, wait, 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 let me stop here. That's the wrong vocabulary. The Pope is the supreme law. He can do whatever he damn well pleases. Uh, if you have uh, the mind of the Pope, uh, that means Thomas Reese and James Martin can do whatever they damn well please. And that's an abuse of papal authority. Okay. Well, thank you. And, you know, is there anything that, you know, that, I mean, I would have liked to uh, had the Catholic Church in the, in the, for example, the Pope to really come out. I mean, in terms of Gaza, I, you know, it just breaks my heart to see what's happening there. Um, is, is there anything the church can be doing or should be doing? Of course they should. They should be denouncing the Israeli genocide. In, in no uncertain terms. Uh, uh, but we as Catholics can stand up and say that ourselves. We don't have to have permission from anybody to be able to say that. And I'm saying it now. And I wish I had more people on my side. 
But uh, I mean, you know, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, if you read George Weigel's latest piece in First Things, it's enough to make a grown Catholic cry. You know, talking about, I just, I, I don't want to go into this. I wish there were more of us, but the fact that there are some of us, at least someone's going to look back and say, well, thank God that some Catholics stood up for what was right back then when it looked as if the church is completely uh, missing in action. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Jones, and thank you for your work and for, for, your, for your courage. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, too, Frank, for the question. We are going to go through the uh, chat into Cozy right now, and let's get this going. Let me find a good one here. Uh, Dr. Jones, there are a lot of Catholics calling themselves Nazis. Uh, what are some good responses to this phenomenon? Nazism and Catholicism are incompatible. They are not compatible. And if you think they are, uh, you're misinformed. Uh, uh, so this is why I wrote the, uh, the chapter on Lenz's book, um, Christus in Dachau. This was the story. This is a man who experienced it firsthand. If you, if you go to, you go to uh, uh, Wikipedia, okay? It's not the greatest authority in the world. You type in Third Reich and the Catholic Church, and they will go down one figure after another of the leadership of the Nazis who were virulently anti-Catholic, okay? That's, it, it was a, a neo-pagan anti-Catholic ideology that felt that Christianity, like Nietzsche, it felt that Christianity was causing weakness among the Germanic people and they needed to have harsh pagan values and that uh, mercy and compassion and all this Christian stuff was detrimental. That's what it was. If you think it was something else, you're deluding yourself. And, and so you have that uh, uh, up there's Hitler, and then he selects these people like Himmler, uh, like Goebbels, who were anti-Catholic. And then they, that the, goes down the chain of command, and then they need guards, and the guards that they get are people who are released from prison. And they put an SS uniform on them. And they was, there was no check on their sadistic uh, attacks on the Catholic priests that were in their charge. If you think that's not true, you're living in a world of illusion. Okay, this is something I should have, it's, it's news to me. I didn't realize this. I'm thinking there should be a second edition of the Holocaust narrative that emphasizes this fact, which didn't, it didn't seem to me it was uh, significant until after the, the first response. Okay, this just because it's like just because the Jews don't like Hitler doesn't mean Hitler was right. I mean, this is really the thinking of people who play checkers instead of chess, but it's common. And I think if you're asking me for my opinion, that the net result of the entire Holocaust museum industry takeover of the curricula in both America and Europe is basically the promotion of Adolf Hitler. This is, if you talk to 17 year olds, uh, a lot of them simply idolize Adolf Hitler because of the Holocaust uh, education they received. I'm trying to provide something that is uh, more in correspondence with reality. And, and just to it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't get you anywhere you get taken out immediately like look what a kanye west look what happened to him the moment he said hitler 
I mean, it's almost used as an op. If you, if you want to charge the machine gun that's waving a spear, uh, claim that you're a white boy who idolizes Hitler and you will be mowed down within seconds. There you are. Okay. Um, from Two Thitty uh, on Cozy asks, uh, why doesn't the Catholic Church condemn the state of Israel for having taxpayer-funded abortion throughout gestation? Uh, look, this is, this is the doing of Pope John Paul II. And we have this kind of Polish, what should I say, his experience in Poland uh, during the time of, the, of World War II. Uh, he apparently had Jewish friends. There were plenty of Jews in Poland, okay? You could get to know them. Uh, I personally think that Cardinal Hlond, who was the primate of Poland during the 1930s, had a better approach to this. It was a completely traditional approach based on secret Judeus non, which is basically, look, we all know that the Jews are involved in pornography. We all know that they're involved in usury. We all know they're a pernicious force in society, but we can't resort to, these, to this racial ideology of violence coming out of Germany. That's not Catholic. That's the type of balanced response that I think was necessary and it's still not necessary now. And Pope John Paul II, because of experience, basically uh, uh, did a concordat with Israel. And the Jews don't follow, uh, they, they, don't, they don't feel bound by any of the oaths that they take. They have a holiday that absolves them from this. And they've never followed anything that they said they were going to do with this concordat. That's where it came from. Uh, so that has changed. And now we've got people following in that tradition. Ratzinger followed in this tradition. And now we have Pope Francis even more so in this tradition. We've lost sight of reality here. And the reality I'm talking about is the gospel. Uh, statements like, you know, Pope St. Uh, Paul saying, uh, you know, the Jews are the people who have killed Christ and they're enemies of the entire human race. That's not going to change. And we give them a second chance and we inaugurate this uh, period of uh, dialogue. Well, that's been a failure. That is a failed experiment. The church is going to have to back away from this. The church is going to have to back away from stating things like the Mosaic Covenant is eternally valid. The American bishops did do that, but they never followed through. And so we've got this situation where uh, you're basically giving Israel, the Catholic Church is giving Israel carte blanche to commit genocide. That's not right. And the second thing uh, is that because of this Catholic Jewish dialogue, no one has brought up the fact that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. And it was the Jews who gave us abortion in 1973 with Roe versus Wade. Now, the Jews have solved that problem for us. They are coming out and saying it. And the church is playing, uh, uh, pretending that they're not hearing this. They're, they're putting their fingers in their ears when they should be listening and drawing the conclusions that need to be drawn about dealing with this group of people. Uh, next question is from Tia Raju, I think is how you pronounce it. Dr. Jones, could you explain your opinion on Catholics and Muslims worshiping the same God? Why is this an opinion? This is the teaching of the Catholic Church. If you're a monotheist, there's only one God. So all monotheists worship the same God. There's only one God out there. What is the difference between 
uh, let's say, Catholics and Muslims when it comes to this regard. It's their understanding of God. Your understanding does not determine God's existence. So when you have people who are worshiping God, they can worship him without understanding it. Basically, everyone worships God without understanding God because God is unfathomable to the human mind. And the only reason we can say anything about him, uh, other than the fact that he exists, which you can know by natural reason, is what he reveals to us. And if you reject that revelation, you are going to have a defective understanding of God. And that's exactly what happened with uh, the Jews, first of all. They rejected Jesus Christ. Okay, and then the Muslims come along uh, 600 years later. And uh, they adopt a, a, a heretical understanding of God, which they got from the Nestorians and the Jews. It's a, it's a complicated issue. I deal with this in the chapter on Islam uh, in uh, Logos Rising. So when I so that's me theoretically when I go to uh, Iran and they take me to the mosque uh, in Tehran. And I go in there, they take me to the mosque in Qom. I see people who are sincerely worshiping God as they understand him. And I think if you're denying this, you're denying reality. I mean, I'm talking about from both firsthand experience and from the theoretical background that I'm trying to uh, put this into. These are people who worship God sincerely as they understand him. Their understanding is defective. But when you understand that situation, what's, what's your response going to be? To denounce them? No. The, 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 the job is, the, the, the duty as Christians is the uh, spiritual works of mercy, which is to instruct them, which I've been trying to do. I mean, in a, in a concrete way, uh, I'm still hoping to address the whole hijab crisis over there. I've written uh, articles about it over here. Uh, I think that uh, the gist of um, Logos Rising is the, the Trinity is not something you can deduce on your own. But once it enters into human consciousness, it's necessary if you want to proceed, if you want to move forward in your understanding of the universe. And that's precisely what did not happen in Islam. The train of Logos left the station. And they were standing there and they are the people who should have developed science and they couldn't do it because they had an inadequate understanding of the, not just Logos, but the Trinity. Because you could not have a, a, a notion of secondary causality uh, given their understanding of the relationship between God and, and, uh, and nature. You couldn't have it. And so basically nature, it's become, everything is God's pure will. Uh, that became the, the essence of nominalism, and it became the essence of Martin Luther's attack on reasons. And we have been suffering ever since because of that. You've got to get this straight. You know, if you don't get it straight, you're not going to be able to engage reality on any, at any, with any depth. From Catulus on Posey, Dr. Jones, do you see any way to overcome the Jesuit dominion in the church? Uh, may God forbid Cardinal Tucho from being the next pope. Well, I think the answer is we have to wait for the next pope because this pope's a Jesuit and he's not going to turn on his own people. 
So as I said uh, in Qualm once uh, about Benedict, uh, he's not going to be Pope forever. You can bet your bottom dollar that this man is not going to be Pope forever. And then when something else, uh, something comes about, uh, there are surprises. It can oftentimes be surprising. And the classic example of that was the election of, I believe, was Pius V, which inaugurated the um, the Counter Reformation. Nobody was anticipating that, and yet it happened. The users could, the Fuggers couldn't get to Rome fast enough to bribe the, give the cardinals money so they could bribe each other. By the time the Fuggers got to Rome, there was a new pope and it was a whole new era, which was one of the greatest comebacks of the Catholic Church in history. And all of these things are still possible. Uh, from a user on Cozy, uh, what does Dr. Jones think about the counter-revolution in Spain? Um, it's, it's, it's still the, the unresolved conflict that led to the Spanish civil war. It's, it's never been resolved. This is one of the things that, uh, Liddell Hart said about, uh, the problem with irregular warfare. The term guerrilla or guerrilla is a Spanish word. And it came into being at the time of the Napoleonic Wars because Englishmen went over to Spain and created guerrilla warfare. And little Liddell Hart, who was an Englishman, said, uh, these things don't stop uh, once you the war stops. It's not like a light switch. You can turn it off. And he said it, it has plagued Spanish culture for over 150 years. Well, I'm saying it's still there. I'm saying they are still fighting this uh, the Spanish Civil War. And uh, this is uh, revenge uh, for Franco. They're trying to get back at Franco's victory over, over the communists. And you find the same areas of the country, uh, which were Marxist uh, back then, are, are, are doing, doing this, the same type of thing. Literally the same type of thing. I mean, like disinterring bodies, graves, this is what the, the communists did during the time of uh, the Spanish Civil War. And they're doing it now. They're digging up that uh, valley of the, that place of the heroes uh, in Spain and, and dragging bodies, corpses out of these, this place because uh, this is their uh, expression of their fanatical hatred for the Catholic Church. I personally think that uh, Spain is also one of the victims of the misinterpretation of Dignitatis Humanae. Uh, that they rushed into a, what they thought was uh, the separation of church and state, and it's it's coming back to haunt them. All right, it's a uh, five fifty-eight. Want to do a couple more, Doctor? Let's do one more question. All right, uh, this one's from Kingfish AF, who always gives us great questions on Cozy. Uh, who uh, from uh, Doctor Jones? Uh, who's the historical figure that you think should be a saint? And is there a canonization you've been skeptical of? Actually, I'm going to go out. I think Bach was a saint. I mean, he was a, he was a Lutheran, but uh, he he led such a his life was characterized by heroic virtue. And if you listen to his mass, I think it was uh, a mystical revelation. I think he saw heaven. He had a vision of heaven and was able to put it into uh, musical 
musical notation. Uh, that's the guy I think about. I think, I, 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 was he, why did he do a mass, why did he do a mass at the end of his life? Had he become a Catholic in some sense or another? It's obvious that this wasn't for Lutherans, this wasn't composed for Lutherans. So that's the guy I would, I would say in that regard. In terms of uh, false canonizations, let me, let me uh, criticize some of the saints who have been demoted, who shouldn't have been demoted. And St. Simon of Trent is one of them. I think that uh, he should be restored. And it's now in the art world, it's uh, Giovanni Gasparo who has resurrected St. Simon of Trent and the ritual Jewish murder. That was done to placate uh, Jewish sensibilities after Second Vatican Council. I think it was shameful to do that. Um, and uh, other than that, I don't want to, I don't think I should say anything. I don't have any, I, I can't give you, uh, I'm being honest with you, I can't give you the name of someone that has been canonized that I think should not have been canonized. I can't do it. I'm being perfectly honest. Nothing is coming to mind. Okay, well, there you guys have it. This has been another episode of EMJ Live. Once again, we're here every Friday at 5. We have a magazine, Culture Wars Magazine. Get that, culturewars.com, fidelitypress.org. We have all the books, Dr. Jones' books. The Holocaust narrative is new. Go ahead, pick that up. Subscribe to the Telegram. Cozy, bit shoot, gab, and all that. And I have a slight funny announcement here. I, I said for those on Telegram, the 3,000th follower gets to be mod. And right now we're at 3,014 followers. So hooray for us. We broke 3,000. And the, the, the mod's name, the new mod, is named Doge. Thought Patrol 69. So happy mod day for you, Mr. Doge. That's it. Those are my announcements. Dr. Jones, any last words? Yes. God bless America. God bless America. All right, guys. We'll have a good one. See you next week. God bless.